Welcome to episode 10 of Writing on Caffeine, the podcast where you can come along on a journey with a father and daughter as we attempt to write our first novels. I am Jonathan Franzone, and this is my daughter. I'm Reagan, also Franzone. We are recording at the Coffee Break Cafe today, and we have just begun the season of Lent. For those who don't follow the church calendar that closely, Lent is the time after Epiphany leading up to Easter, or more specifically, leading up to Good Friday. So it's a 40-day period before Good Friday. Many people will give up something during Lent to draw their attention back to their devotion to Christ. It's not a true fast in the sense of giving up eating, um, but I have decided this year to give up sweetened drinks so the only thing I'm drinking during Lent is water, black coffee, and black tea. Proud of you, but that's sad. <laughs> so, what are you drinking this morning, Reagan? Um, well, I think she called it a sugar cookie something or other. It's like white chocolate, hazelnut, something. It's good. It sounds sweet. It is very sweet. <laughs> so sorry for your loss. <laughs> so I have a light roast coffee black can you put like cream in it if you wanted to i guess i could but it wouldn't be keeping in the spirit of what i had envisioned giving up so oh so like all things that taste good yeah so just i'm actually getting used it's been since wednesday we're recording this on friday so i'm already getting used to black coffee i bet your gut flora is gonna be great (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) So how's the writing coming, Reagan? Well, it's looking like, what is it, February 24th, and it's already looking like I'm going to have to use my consequence at the end of the year for not finishing the book. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, you and me both. Um, I need to really get on it. I've got almost a whole scene written and an outline finished. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's more than me. How is yours going? <laughs> I have not written a single thing since we recorded last let me pull up my tracker real quick and see how many times i've actually written since the last podcast three times three times since the last podcast i've sat down to write that's better than my no times so (laughs) (laughs) we gotta do our we're doing our best right well you know actually i said that yesterday to mommy and that's a lie because i'm not doing my best i'm just doing the bare minimum and i need to be doing my best so do better yeah Today we are going to talk about point of view, so um, this is the point of view from which you are writing your characters in your book, and there are generally four points of view that you find in fiction. Yep. Um, So there's first person, second person, third person, and third person omniscient. I would say there are typically three, because second person is not a typical fiction point of view. It's very obscure. Right. So you want to define first person for us? What is that? Sure. First person point of view is the I did this, I saw this, I said this. So it's all from, you know, almost like you're telling the story if you were reading it out loud. Right. So generally it's the main character's point of view. Yeah. And you're seeing things through their eyes and hearing their thoughts. Though saying that, it would be really interesting to write a book in a first-person point of view that's like like a side character, just like watching everything go down. <laughs> it's like, I was sitting in a tent, and I watched the main character fight the bad guy. 
It looked interesting. <laughs> I actually saw a movie that's similar. I didn't actually watch the movie, but I saw a trailer for one. It was one of those alien invasion movies. Yeah. And the entire story is told from these people that are basically on the side. They were just like hanging out and then the world's collapsing around them and they're not in the action, but they're kind of watching from afar. That's funny. Love that. It looked terrible. (laughs) It's really interesting though. Thus I didn't watch it. The second person, now this point of view is... A hot mess. Yeah, it's it's not very common in fiction, so it's basically speaking to you. Yeah. So it tells you what you are doing. So mm-hmm. you as the reader are kind of in the action, which sounds intriguing, but it's extremely hard to pull off. Yes. It's most common in choose-your-own-adventure novels. Exactly, yes. And... Weird, creepy fan fiction. <laughs> right. It's like, you looked at Edward and his skin was sparkly. I have not read any of that, so... Me neither. I just know it exists, so... <laughs> I think we're both on the winning side of that. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to tackle third person? Third person limited would be the narrator telling the story outside of the main character. Right. But limited would be their only, like, kind of... What do you say? Privy to the main character's thought process yes. or the person of that certain chapter. Like, so in Harry Potter, third person limited, we're seeing Harry's thoughts, but we're not in Harry's head. Exactly. Yeah. So generally, um, this is the most common point of view for fiction and in epic fantasy novels where you have a ton of different characters. Yeah. Um, you'll have you know, chapters devoted to different characters. And so during that chapter, it just follows that one character and it's from their perspective, their point of view. Right. But it is outside of them, as you mentioned. Yep. And then you have third person omniscient. And in this case, it's sort of the same. You're following one particular character, but in, in the narration, the narrator seems to know more than he should. Yeah. So he knows more than that one character. And fun kind of lets you, the reader, in on plot points that the particular character should not know. Correct. All right. So um, today we figured we would just read some examples of these different points of view. And then maybe at the end we can wrap up by um, discussing which one we're using in our books. Yeah. That sounds great. All right. So you want to just start at the top and go down? Yeah. All right, what do you have for first person? Well, I have two for first person. All right. The first one being from the MVP of first person dystopian novels, The Hunger Games. Yay. All right, so I guess I just start reading, which is weird because I'm kind of weirdly uncomfortable with reading out loud, but here we go. This is our audition for doing audiobooks. I would fail miserably. I'd be like, <laughs> oh my gosh, there's a breathing sound in the background. Somewhere far away, I can hear the crowd murmuring unhappily as they always do when a 12-year-old gets chosen because no one thinks this is fair. And then I see her, the blood drained from her face, hands clenched and fists at her side, walking with stiff, small steps up towards the stage, passing me, and I see the back of her blouse has become untucked over her skirt. It's the detail, the untucked blouse, forming a duck's tail that brings me back to myself. So... That is a portion of Katniss's kind of inner dialogue when her sister gets picked for the Hunger Games. Yeah, it's a powerful moment. 
Yeah. That launches the whole series. I love that book series, and I would die on that hill. It's one of my <laughs> favorite ones. So um, I'll read mine, and then you can read your other first person. So Alrighty. I brought um, Anathem by Neil Stevenson. This, this is a book that I loved to hate. Mm. And so I also brought a one-star rating from Goodreads to read that expresses that. exactly how I felt about the book. So I don't know what anathem is. Well, it kind of comes from the word anathema, which is when a church says, like, you're a heretic and you're damned to hell. Ah. So you're anathema. So it's a shortened version of that. I don't know if it has any bearing on the book. But the book is about monks, so possibly. Oh, okay. I remember you telling me about this book. Right. Yes, the weird monks with the... Yeah. Yeah, okay. So this one-star rating kind of expresses my feelings for it. I think that Neil Stevenson is very intelligent and a terrific writer. That said, I found all the made-up googlies in this snarful really boing to my thnood. <laughs> Surely there's a slankier way of telling us that we are reading about another zoof than to make up another, to make up every other googly. It made it very difficult to forkle the snarful, and I put it down after only 80 ziffles. <laughs> this will not stop me from attempting the next Neil Stevenson snarful, however. <laughs> That's fantastic, and I fully captured the essence of the book, I think. <laughs> yes, he does that in the book. Just with, comes up with without words. any explanation. He just uses different words for things, and you have to figure out what he means. Yeah, poor form. So here's a small clip. Since I I read a rating, it's a small section. It says when I saw any of those kinds of beauty, I knew I was alive, and not just in the sense that when I hit my thumb with a hammer, I knew I was alive, but rather in the sense that I was partaking of something. Something was passing through me that it was in my nature to be a part of. Wow. Which actually sounds pretty good, but it's it's a massive, massive book. I think it it's like a Brandon Sanderson book in size. It's but probably like a thousand pages. Time traveling monks. Yeah. But it's all like just navel gazing, boring and then after three hundred pages you get some action. And then you have to wait another 300 pages for something else. Nope. It was painful. Pass. All right, what's your next example? All right, my next example is from a book that I was not particularly fond of, Piranesi. Um, I loved that book. That's because you don't have a Fantasia. Listen, this book is, the majority of this book is describing scenery. That's true. And so I really struggled. And then also, it was a little bit of a, like, inception ending. And so I was like, I don't know what I just read, but I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> All right, so, Piranesi quote. Suppose I thought this happened again. Suppose I went into the darkness of the 192nd Western Hall, and I lay down to sleep, only to wake and find myself surrounded by horrors. I became angry at myself, disgusted at my own timidity. This was no way to think. Had I walked for hours to reach this hall only to be too afraid to go in? How ridiculous. I told myself that the fear I had experienced in that upper hall was highly unlikely to be repeated anywhere else. So good. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so that was first person point of view. Um, next we have second person. And earlier you mentioned a genre, choose your own adventure books. Yep. Which I consumed a lot of when I was in middle school. 
I absolutely loved these books. See, I read a couple of these books when I was younger, and right. I did not like them because you can't... I mean, you can eventually consume all the material, yeah. but like... It was too much. Like, I was just so overwhelmed by all the decisions. And I was like, I just want to read a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would get one of these and just read and, like, basically follow every single possible option that you could until I'd consumed the entire book. That's crazy. And I loved it so much that I looked up an example of one of these that I had when I was younger. And they had a Kindle version, so I was able to grab it because I don't have the books anymore. And so I'm going to read a rather lengthy example of The Cave of Time by Edward Packard. Wonderful. You've hiked through Snake Canyon once before while visiting your Uncle Howard at Red Creek Ranch, but you never noticed any cave entrance. It looks as though a recent rock slide has uncovered it. Though the late afternoon sun is striking the opening of the cave, the interior remains in total darkness. You step inside a few feet, trying to get an idea of how big it is. As your eyes become used to the dark, you see what looks like a tunnel ahead, dimly lit by some kind of phosphorescent material on its walls. The tunnel walls are smooth, as if they were shaped by running water. After 20 feet or so, the tunnel curves. You wonder where it leads. You venture in a bit further, but you feel nervous being alone in such a strange place. You turn and hurry out. A thunderstorm may be coming, judging by how dark it looks outside. Suddenly, you realize the sun has long since set, and the landscape is lit only by the pale light of the full moon. You must have fallen asleep and woken up hours later, but then you remember something even more strange. Just last evening, the moon was only a slim crescent in the sky. You wonder how long you've been in the cave. You are not hungry. You don't feel you have been sleeping. You wonder whether to try to walk back home by moonlight or whether to wait for dawn rather than risk losing your footing on the steep and rocky trail. And that's where you have a choice. So Ah. if you stay, go to page whatever. If you go back to the ranch, continue on or go to the next page or whatever. Yeah, that's... And it's like that through the entire book. Uh, That makes me uncomfy. (laughs) Um, Also... (laughs) You said, and then you remember. And then you remembered. And that makes me, gives me like Doctor Who vibes. <laughs> so let me pull out this little section of book here by Aaron Morgan Stern's The Night Circus, which is like, the, reading this book is like being on like the freakiest acid trip you've ever been on in your entire <laughs> life. Oh, this, this has book, multiple point of views, is that right? Yes, it switches between third person omniscient and second person. Interesting. And also it like alternates between like four or five viewpoints. See, this is the trippy thing about this book because it's not just, well, let me pull this up. It's not just third person omniscient and then second person viewpoints switching. It's the third person section is switching between four or five viewpoints. Right. But also the story is told out of order. So it's just giving you random dates and you're trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Until the very end, you have basically absolutely no idea what's happening. Surprisingly, though, I looked back and I gave it four stars on Goodreads. So (laughs) I must have left an impact. I'm really generous with stars, honestly. As long as I'm not, like, traumatized, then I'll usually give it an okay-ish rating. Yeah, I'm not. 
So four stars for me is a good book, like a really good book. No. It has to knock it out of the park to be a five-star review for me. Oh, see, for me, like, if it made me, like, laugh at the end, five stars. If it made me cry at the end, five stars. (laughs) If the main character was just, like, super awesome, five stars. If the main character had a love interest at the end, five stars. And if they kill the main character for absolutely no reason? Half a star. (laughs) Divergent. Not really. Allegiant. Anyway, here is my section of the Night Circus. You step into a bright, open courtyard surrounded by striped tents. Curving pathways along the perimeter lead away from the courtyard, turning into unseen mysteries dotted with twinkling lights. There are vendors traversing the crowd around you, selling refreshments and oddities, creations flavored with vanilla and honey, chocolate and cinnamon. A contortionist in a sparkling black costume twists on a platform nearby, bending her body into impossible shapes. A juggler tosses globes of black and white and silver high into the air, where they seem to hover before falling again into his hands, his attentive spectators applauding. All bathed in glowing light, the light emanates from a large bonfire at the center of the courtyard. As you walk closer, you see that it sits in a wide black iron cauldron, balanced on a number of clawed feet. Where the rim of a cauldron would be, it breaks into long strips of curling iron, as though it has been melted and pulled apart like taffy. The curling iron continues up until it curls back into itself, weaving in and out amongst the other curls, giving it a cage-like effect. The flames are visible in the gaps between and rising slightly above. They are obscured only at the bottom, so it's impossible to tell what is burning, if it is wood or coal or something else entirely. The flames are not yellow or orange, but white as snow as they dance. Yeah, that's some good writing. I didn't say it was bad writing. I just said it was trippy. I wonder if your aphantasia had a similar effect on this book for you. Probably. Like a lot of it is supposed to be just sensory input. I think it probably is, because... Well, also... uh, I mean, we could get into it about this book, but, like, the whole point of the book is there are these two magicians who, by their trainers, are locked into this battle to the death. Lovely. To see who's the better magician. And they actually say, like, at the very beginning of the book, battle to the death. Here's the thing that's annoying. One, both of the magicians that are participating in the actual battle are unwilling participants. Lovely. Second of all, nobody tells you the rules of the game at all. <laughs> Ever? Ever. The participants <laughs> don't know the rules of the game. Oh, that's terrible. And you don't know the rules of the game. And then they fall in love. What? So, <laughs> it was just, I just was not a fan. Everybody's like, look at this. They're on the back of the book. It says, a love story for adults that feels luxuriously romantic. It did not. <laughs> I was so annoyed the entire so time I read this. It sounds like um, Hunger Games because in Hunger Games, they're unwilling participants and they end up falling in love. They weren't enemies, but it's just like, like it's, in theory, they should have been trying to kill each other. Yeah. It's these these two magicians they're like actual like they're they have real magic in this world you know in in our world right and they don't they hate each other so much and so they've gone through 
like hundreds of these students and they all end up dying because they keep pitting them against each other in like lifelong battles and they're picking these kids at the age of five oh, that's and raising them to fight each other that's another similarity with hunger games that's the other thing too <laughs> is like they're fighting against each other they know that they're in a competition to the death but they also don't know who their competitor is oh gosh except only the people who like are in charge no so it's just it was really annoying to me and it just, like, the storyline didn't quite match up with, like, the rest, like, because they're talking about this competition and stuff, but really the whole book is about them falling in love and not anything about the competition, uh. which is not an inappropriate romance or anything. It's just, like... It would bug me. I just, <laughs> but I'm, I'm confused. I mean, I like romance, but this one was weird. Yeah. So, anyway, it was just... Apparently, I gave it four stars on Goodreads, but I'm going to drop it down to three. <laughs> Rescinded. <laughs> Rescinded a star. Sorry, Aaron Morgenstern. All right. The next point of view is third person, and this is the most common yes. point of view. I did not bring a blurb for this because it is so common, and I didn't even know what to grab. Well, I did, since this is the Brandon Sander fan podcast. I brought yeah. a snippet of Way of Kings. Oh, cool. No spoilers, right? No spoilers. Okay. It's very early in the book. Oh, okay. Love that. So I think you've actually already gotten to this point and passed it. Is it in the... the like the second chapter. The prelogue or the prologue or the first... introduction or whatever. <laughs> so this is The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Kaladin's stomach growled as he reached through the bars and accepted the bowl of slop. He pulled the small bowl, more a cup, between the bars, sniffed it then grimaced as the caged wagon began to roll again. The sludgy gray slop was made from overcooked talu grain, and this batch was flecked with crusted bits of yesterday's meal. Revolting though it was, it was all he could get. He began to eat, legs hanging out between the bars, watching the scenery pass. The other slaves in his cage clutched their bowls protectively, afraid that someone might steal from them. One of them tried to steal Kaladin's food on the first day, He'd nearly broken the man's arm. Now everyone left him alone. Rightfully so. <laughs> Leave that man alone. Right. So that's third person. It's just Kaladin's particular point of view, but it's not looking into anybody's head. Yeah. But it can reveal Kaladin's thoughts because it's his point of view. Right. That is the most common. Uh, the next one, which isn't quite as common but is probably much more common than second person. Yes. Is third person omniscient. Mm -hmm. So what do you have for this? I brought a blurb from The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis. Love it. So here we go. It's kind of dropped in the middle of a conversation, but this is one of the things that just makes me love C.S. Lewis. He writes things like this. Oh, yes, of course, said Shasta. At least I've ridden a donkey. Ridden the what? retorted the horse with extreme contempt. At least, that is what he meant. Actually, it came out in a sort of neigh. Talking horses always sound more horsey in accent when they are angry. <laughs> That's such good. And I just oh, I just I laugh it. every time I read something like that because C.S. Lewis just like pulls the reader aside and he's like, just so you know, when horses are mad, they sound more horsey. <laughs> I love it. It's just... I just love it. It's just so great. That is so good. So C.S. Lewis was very good friends with the author who I brought, J.R.R. Tolkien. Ah. Uh, so they were the in Rings. the Inklings, which was a writing group in college. And so they have 
a lot of the same tendencies. Um, so I brought a snippet from The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Love that. Yeah. So this is a scene, um, if you remember in the beginning of the book, um, Gandalf invites all of the dwarves to Bilbo's house, and then they just barge in and start eating all his food. Yeah. And then this is a point when it, at which Thorin is laying out the problem and what's going on. Yep. So Thorin went on. To the estimable Mr. Baggins, and perhaps to one or two of the younger dwarves, I think I should be right in naming Keeley and Feely, for instance, the exact situation at the moment may require a little brief explanation. This was Thorin's style. He was an important dwarf. If he had been allowed, he would have probably, he would probably have gone on like this until he was out of breath, without telling anyone there anything that was not known already. But he was rudely interrupted. Poor Bilbo couldn't bear it any longer. At May Never Return, he began to feel a shriek coming up inside, and very soon it burst out like the whistle of an engine coming out of a tunnel. That's great. So this is from Bilbo's perspective, but you can see here the narrator is telling some things about Thorin that Bilbo really shouldn't know. Yeah, just kind of telling about their history and stuff. I like that. Yeah. What point of view is your book that you are writing in? Um, it is in third person limited. However, if I'm in a block, I will write it in first person and then translate it to third person. Oh, limited. really? That's fascinating. So if I'm like, it's just easier to write in first person. Yeah. So if I'm like struggling, especially with like describing things. Yeah. Do you know how my brain works? Right. I can, I can do the, I saw this, I said this. And it just kind of breaks it down and gets words on the page, and then I can translate it. Oh, fascinating. You should write that down. We could have a whole episode on writing hacks Yeah, help, help you get around things like that. Okay. I've, I've never heard anyone say that before. That's really fascinating. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's <laughs> very cool. Uh, so my book is in third person. It's just, for new writers, I think it's probably the easiest, either first or third, yeah. probably the easiest to jump into. I agree. First person, I feel like, gets a lot of hate from a lot of people because it is generically known as YA point of view. It very quickly turns me off. There are some really good books that are first person, though. Oh, I agree. Yeah, earlier you mentioned The Martian by Andy Weir or Weir. I I don't know how you say his name, but... It, it alternates between first person and third person, and that's an excellent book. It's Ready Player cool. One. Ready Player One, which I loved. Jane Eyre. Did, didn't, never read that. It's classic, though. <laughs> it's a great book. And then also, since this is the Sander Fans podcast, right. Brandon Sanderson does have a trilogy written in first person. Oh, really? Which is which his one? Skyward series. Yes. So. Space Chicks. I've heard it's really good. I was, this is kind of running off topic, but one of my new favorite pastimes is reading really terrible reviews on Goodreads and just laughing my head off. Oh, that's great fun. Because there are just some people who like, it is an art form writing a bad Goodreads review. Anyway, I follow this one person who leaves scathing reviews, but she always leaves 
fantastic reviews for Brandon Sanderson. Oh, good. You know, one point I think her review of the first Skyward book was I can't remember what her first what the character's name is, but the first sentence that I read was I would let first character's name crash her spaceship into me and I would be happy about it. <laughs> so I've heard it's really great. Very cool. So, what books are you currently reading, Reagan? I am reading... Or recently finished. I am reading The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis. I am reading The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, because we always got to have like a Brandon Sanderson on the back burner. There's oh, yeah. just like no other way to live life. That's right. Um... I'm currently, I finished the Assassin's Blade book that I was annotating, and I've moved on to the next book, The Throne of Glass, so this will be my fourth read-through of the series. And um, the last book that I just finished doesn't even bother having its name mentioned, because it was <laughs> so disappointing. Okay, fair enough. But um, speaking of annotating books, I feel like we should talk about our idea. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So I had this idea that we could annotate and read through The Hobbit at the same time and then maybe make a whole episode of how our annotations differed and, like, the different things that we found important. And I think it would be really fun to even, like, make a video to put on, like, the the, um, the social media so people could see how... Right, yeah. Like, do, like, little updates, like, well, we both reached Chapter 5, and this is what it's looking like, and... Yeah, that's a wonderful idea, yeah. So I thought that would be really fun. I've actually ordered the books off of Pango Books, which is where you can get really cheap books if you have Pango. a... Pango. Pango. It's an app called Pango Books, and I got both of the books for $5. Oh, wonderful, yeah. Like new. Very cool. Shipped straight to my house. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea and a lot of fun. Yeah. So I am currently reading um, The Lost Metal by Brandon Sanderson, mm. which I've actually pushed forward and like really picked up the pace on reading. I, I saw I'm that in Goodreads. Over halfway through. And then I also, for my audiobooks, I usually have one that I'm listening to, one that I'm actually reading. So my audiobook, I started The Black Prism by, I think it's Brent Weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a New York Times bestseller. This book is amazing. It's really, really cool. Um, the magic system in this book is all based on color. Okay. So you have these people that use color, and it has to be light. So if it's at night, they can't use their powers. And you have these drafters, is what they call them. And so they can pull in, if you're a monochrome, one color. So they can pull in red light and then use it for things. And the red usually is for, like, fire magic, so they can burn things really well. Um, blue light drafters um, are good for calming things, and mm-hmm. they can also make things like swords and shields out of them. Green drafters, like, do a lot of weaponry, so they can make full-body armor and, and things like that. And then you have people that are bichromes that have two, or yeah. polychromes that have multiples. And then you have the emperor of all of this world is the prism and he can basically um divide light into all of its colors without without the aid of anything like he doesn't have to specifically see red or anything like that he can just pull all of the different colors out of any light and he's good to go that sounds really interesting and i think i said this to you before when you mentioned it to me 
but I haven't read it before, but it sounds similar to Brandon Sanderson's Warbreaker. Yes, yes, it is very similar in that aspect with the colors. Um, Warbreaker is an excellent book. I have it on my list. I also have Elantris and all his little standalone novels. Yeah. I did recently read his uh, novella, Shadows for Silence in the Forests of Hell. How'd you like it? It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, everything by Brandon Sanderson is immediately five stars for me, even if I didn't like it. Like, right. The Alloy of Law, I was like, this book was not my favorite. Five stars. <laughs> it's just... Very generous of you. Brandon Sanderson just is my home dog, and I can't just not give him five stars. Yeah, As I, I recommend him to literally everyone. Yeah, same. Thank you for joining us in this 10th episode of Writing on Caffeine. We hope you'll join us again in two weeks. Please subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And if you are so inclined, leave us a review. Five-star reviews are preferable. Be sure to visit the website, writingoncaffeine.com, where you can view the show notes and subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Sometimes I thought this happened again. No. Oh my gosh. Why can I not read out loud? I don't know. I'm struggling so bad. Okay. That's not even the word sometimes. Let's suppose. (laughs) Let me collect myself here.